2: This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West
0: champions.
3: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek Ciappoli here with Norm Hightower and our guest, David Romero from the BS and Beer Saints show from Fox 977 in New Orleans. The NFC Championship game is inching closer, just a few days away, and we'll know whether or not your Los Angeles Rams will be heading to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1999. Norm, how you feel about that? Pretty stoked, man. Pretty stoked. Now, David, obviously you want to see something else happen, but we'll welcome you anyways. How are you, brother?
4: Yeah, I'm just going to be an impartial impartial observer, man, and, and, and feel any information... Uh, Uh, Gaps that you guys might have, I'm here for you. I'm here
3: for you. Well, I'm guessing we have a lot of gaps. It's been a few weeks since we've last uh, seen the Saints here uh, against the Rams, and these teams are looking a little bit different now than they were a few weeks ago. So I can't wait to get in knee-deep with you. And before we do, folks, I want to remind you that we're available anywhere. Podcasts can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Also, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes with five-star reviews. It really helps us out. And also, look at our other shows in the network, Rampage Radio and Butting Heads. And finally, one more thing before we get into this. I want to thank our sponsor, Jim Hawk. His excellent book, Hollywood's Team Grit, Glam, the 1950s, Los Angeles Rams. It tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz glamour and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Craigslist Hirsch, Tom Fierce, and Les Richter in this story. spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. It's also available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Folks, I've read it. Norm's read it. And we have a lot of readers now who've read it as well. It's worth it. It's cheap. It's affordable. And it's a great book about just Rams history. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It's Jim Hawk's book, was Team Great Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. All right, so here we go. Right off the bat, David, what is different about the Saints right now from when the two teams met earlier this year?
4: Well, the one thing that I would say uh, um, that's different and, uh, is players that we're, we will have back that we didn't have in the first game, uh, um, arguably... Um, our second best player on the roster, Teron Armstead, is our left tackle. He went out with a pectoral, uh, pectoral um, uh, tear and has fought his way through. I don't think he's 100%, but he's still better than anything that we have on the field uh, as uh, if he wasn't available. Uh, second, Ted Ginn Jr. One of the problems that we had in the second half of the season was simply uh, you could focus focus too easily on Kamara, focus too easily on Michael Thomas because we had no um i don't know maybe experienced uh tested depth uh we have a a rookie and a a matter of fact two rookies one of them is a third round draft pick and traquan smith and the other one an undrafted free agent who's played pretty well but you know not necessarily uh when i say pretty pretty well for an undrafted free agent so now uh and then lastly our first round draft pick that we gave up uh two first round draft picks for uh davenport he's not a starter but he is you know, Make no mistake about it. The guy's athletic and he does bring something in the way of pass rush, run defense. Uh, he's a good, if nothing else, a little bit more depth and uh, fresh legs at the defensive end position. So uh, while there's probably more, those are the key factors that I think would be different on our roster going into this game, as opposed to the last time we played in the middle of the season.
3: Okay. Now we just lost Norm here, just dropped off. Sent me a text. We'll get back on in a second. Um, do want to ask you lost shoulder Rankins I mean that's, that's a big one um how does it affect your team I know you guys stepped in and, and signed Tyron Walker we're familiar with him uh, how confident are you in the current makeup of that interior line
4: well here's the thing is is Rankins' uh first round draft pick about three years ago uh, was coming on having the best season of his career uh, many argued that you know behind uh, your guy uh um and maybe a couple of – you know, he was in the top four or five defensive tackles in the league. And when we lost him, it's going to be a big blow. Now, here's the thing. We have depth at the position. Uh, a, a guy by the name of David Onyemata, he's a, he's a prototypical uh, – would be, you know, top 15 pick in, let's say, another year. He came out of Canada. So he's really behind the eight ball in terms of experience and explosiveness – or not explosiveness, but experience and just football knowledge. But he's come on, and not just this season – he played well in the playoffs last year, so l- l- make no mistake about it. We we are losing a very good ball player. We do have depth at the position, and it may take more than one guy to replace Rankins, but I don't know if, um, if it would be a, a difference that would uh, – I don't know how to say this. When you have a guy as good as Rankins, you lose him. It's not a good thing, but we have depth at the position, and I think that will be all right. Maybe that's the easiest way to put it.
3: David, what overall current injury situation, how do you feel about heading this weekend, where where the Saints sit?
4: Well, I just mentioned the positive uh, things that went on with the defense. You brought up Sheldon Rankins. The other thing uh, that I would uh, say is maybe not a positive is, and, and maybe part of the concern and reason for our, uh, maybe we were playing our best football towards the middle of the year when, when we met with the Rams, and things have been a little bit more um, – just not as explosive, and part of the problem is the offensive line. Um, there was a point in the season, uh, in the second half of the season, where there, there were, I don't think, two games where all five starters were on the field. Matter of fact, you would probably only have maybe, considering that Teron, Teron Armstead was out, you would have um, another guy out, uh, Andres Pete or, or uh, Ryan Ramcheck has a shoulder problem. Uh, we just have injuries across the offensive line, and if I was going to point at one thing, that would be different negatively, uh, aside from Sheldon Rankins, which I think is a little bit easier to cover up. Our offensive line is banged up from the left side of the line to the right side of the line, all five starters.
2: Excuse me. Well, the Rams have been kind of going through a bit of a funk, too. And, you know, as of last week, watching them play Dallas, I think they're pretty well out of it. Uh, What matchups do you think the Saints will – Try to you know attempt to exploit the Rams' offense and put them on on their heels this weekend.
4: Well, the the thing about it is I, what happened in the last game is just an interesting, um, just look at football in general. You guys run the ball really well. The Saints jumped out to a quick lead and didn't give you the opportunity to run the ball. So when people are like, well, they should have, and, and this is a pet peeve of mine, should have ran the ball more, should have ran the ball more. When when you get down by twenty one points in the in the first half and eventually thirty was it 31 to 34 points in the first half you get to the point where i mean what are you supposed to do just run for 3 yards you have to throw the ball i you know i would as a as a saints follower i would love to see that you just can't expect that to happen again just everything went right for the saints early in that game took the rams out of their game plan and out of what they do best so if i'm talking about mismatches it's more of you know, I don't know. I, quite frankly, I don't believe the first game between the Saints and Rams are really indicative of what this game is going to be like at all. I, I would, uh, again, it would be great from a Saints perspective if that if the Saints were to jump on the Rams immediately with a bunch of points. I just don't believe that's going to happen. I think that's just one of those things where, you know, just things didn't go their way for the Rams, and you know, and they got behind. So, if things play out the way you would more expect them to from a person, let's say it was objective and just. Had no interest either way. You would say, "Man, you got a uh, the the number well number two run defense going against one of the best if best run offenses in the league." And I think that's what I would keep my eye on the most is how effective are the Rams running the ball against the Saints.
3: Now, on the flip side of it, I've been saying this for a while. The Saints have also had their share of struggles heading on the stretch. They did not lose what the Rams did, but they were noticeably different. What, what did teams do to slow down the Saints' offense at times? And do you believe the Rams had the personnel to do the same?
4: Well, the, the it, it's it's really kind of strange. If you look at – there's a lot of things. If I'm making excuses, there was, there was a, a, a Thursday a, – a, a series of three Thursday night games in a row. Uh, two out of three. Most of the games were played on the road. Um, it wasn't until the Saints got back in the dome against Pittsburgh where you started seeing them – kind of get back into the routine, and they actually scored, uh, you know, moved the ball and was effective on offense. Then game 17 comes around, the Saints, you know, you don't have enough players on the roster to not start your starters, but Drew Brees didn't play all the offensive linemen that they could rest. They did. Uh, quite frankly, I think the Saints are in a position where I don't think what they, the way they play ball in the second half of the season was completely indicative. I think it was, partially because of the offensive line being banged up, uh, partially because of um, uh, Ted Ginn Jr. being injured, and some of it was just the way the schedule went, and the, the playing on the road, and the Saints do have the ability, and this is what's lost in most people. Their per- perception of the Saints is just to throw the ball over the field and score 40 points. Quite frankly, the Saints aren't really that team anymore. I think they are at times capable of that, but the Saints and the Rams are not that much different anymore the Saints play tough defense and run the ball so they've gotten to the point where when they play tough defenses they're trying to run the ball so the the whole throwing it around the yard and I think that's where when the Saints don't score 30 plus people are starting to wonder what's wrong with them but really I don't know if there's anything wrong with them so much as that's just the way they're playing if they think they can win and they're playing good defense and they did win all of them except for the Cowboys game and I don't really include the the last game of the season where it's basically a throwaway game
2: well the Rams are completely different now on defense, especially because of the fact that they have a key to lead back. And last time we met, Talib wasn't on the field. Our run defense has improved later in the season, you know, especially last week against uh against Ezekiel Elliott, we only gave up uh what, fifty yards rushing?
3: Fifty yards rushing, forty seven to Zeke.
2: <laughs> yeah, so You know, the Rams have changed how they're doing things a little bit, going more vanilla on defense, uh, playing more zone instead of man with Tlaib on the one side and Peters on the other. Uh, The line isn't doing as many stunts. Last week they had great gap integrity. I think they've kind of figured out that if they can play vanilla enough and still get a pass rush, uh, they think they can beat anybody. So what do you think the Saints are going to do to exploit that against the Rams' defense?
4: Well, I don't know if the Saints are going to Play football any differently? Uh, what I would see, and and you guys really harped on this last time, and, and uh, obviously a ton of respect for Alvin Kamara. Um, I don't know if if I'm looking at the Rams' defense. I don't know if the linebackers are really as effective as 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 you would want them to be against uh, pass catching running backs. So and the Saints, that's where they thrive in the middle of the field, and so that'd be a matchup that that I would be concerned about if I was a Rams guy uh, is, is how will they, can they effectively slow down Kamara?
3: Well, they did well, it last I'm, year to a, to a degree, to a degree, to a degree, not entirely. He still you made you go, Oh my
4: last game.
3: Well, last year, I mean last year, he still got his last year. They did enough to, to, to beat the Saints. It was, he, he still has going, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy can, can do that, but they did it enough. And then, of course, last time out, there's a whole different story. And and um, you're right, though. The linebackers have been a concern all year. All I can say is they gave us one game this last time out, and I have no idea if we'll see it again this weekend.
4: Well, I, watching the Dallas game, the Ram-Dallas game last week, I, I was actually saw a few plays uh, by the linebackers on Ezekiel Elliott, who's who's a very effective pass catcher, too. And, uh, you know, from that game, and, and again, it's hard to compare – the way you guys played Dallas to the way you would play the Saints, because I just don't think that Dak Prescott is really a guy that scares you so much that you would have to do things differently. But the way that your linebackers played uh, Elliott, I, I, I was impressed by it. So so from that perspective, watching that game, uh, I, it, it didn't look like a weakness. Now, having said that, because Ezekiel Elliott obviously is not a joke. He's a good ball player. Now it's just a matter of, will those linebackers be able to focus on the running back when you have a Drew Brees back there?
2: Well, um, you know, the difference, too, is, and I talked about this last time, I felt like if they were to just double-team Michael Thomas the whole game, I thought it would make a big difference, and they didn't do that. And, of course, Thomas lit us up. Uh, That was with Marcus Peters, you know, basically covering the whole time. I don't think the Rams are going to be stupid enough to do that again. Um, do you think that the Saints are going to go after Marcus Peters early?
4: Well, okay, so maybe I have to turn the question around on you. Do you think the Saints are going to match Marcus Peters? What I'm hearing, and, and this is a pet peeve of mine too, if you want to know some information, go to a local guy. They watch the game, they follow the team closely. The the national media has no idea what they're talking about in, in most situations, even when you're talking about the. Ex-pro guys, they know football, but they don't pay enough attention to each individual team. So the word I'm hearing is that Talib is going to be the guy that they're going to try to match up on um, on Thomas. It, 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 so before we can have that conversation, I need to get your input on who do you think they'll match up. So it sounds like you think that they're going to they're not going to use Talib.
2: I think they're going to go with a zone, and Talib primarily plays on the left side of the defense, right side of the offense. I think if they put Thomas on the left side of their offense, I don't think they're going to switch him over and and have him cover Pe- or have him cover Thomas. Um, I would see him, you know, if, if I were sitting in Wade Phillips' shoes, which I'm hoping that they do. If Peters is covering him on the on the right side of the defense, that they'll have a safety, you know, sitting back there. I don't think that they're going to have Tlaib switching sides of the field. I really don't see that happening.
4: Got gotcha.
3: And But so what I'm thinking too is what I'm wondering is is on your side. Do you think that the Saints are going to attack anywhere Mark Peter, Marcus Peters is? Because Marcus Peters has that propensity to look in the backfield, get against Dallas. Dallas's second scoring drive, their second scoring yeah. drive was when it was all Marcus Peters. And it was all Marcus Peters looking in the backfield, trying to be somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. And well, he does if- that once in a while. So that's why I'm wondering, you know, from, your, from your bird's eye view... Are they going to attack him? I'm not sure if it's going to be Michael Thomas or if it will be somebody else, but are you going to go after him is what I'm wondering.
4: Well, I would imagine, uh, obviously, wherever the Saints feel the, the best matchup would be. Um, personally, I have a lot of respect for Talib. I'm not going to pretend that I've followed his career after he left uh, or even at the last years of Denver, but the guy is a physical guy, and he's the guy you would imagine would match up against a physical receiver like Thomas, um, but on, on the other hand, you know, Ted Ginn Jr., while not a premier player, uh, is a guy with a lot of speed. He's an experienced veteran. And and when you match up, a, Peters is the type of guy who likes to jump routes and take chances. And, and I, I feel like Ted Ginn Jr. is the type of receiver that that he would take those chances on. Because, you know, those speed receivers are going to run to nine. You're going to end up running a 12-yard out. Which one is he going to jump? You know, it's basically can you get the cornerback to turn his hips and, and either run downfield or break it off at 12 and get a first down uh so would i think i think yeah the saints would go after the weaker of the two corners it's just at this point who that would be it, it, you know it just is it, to leave fully healthy right now uh there, there's been a lot of talk about he's come back from injury but not sure if he's fully healthy
0: i, think I would he is. S-
2: I would say he's pretty darn close, if not. Uh, each week he seems to be getting a little bit better. I think it was more once he came back, you know, trusting the surgery that he had, number one, and then following up with that, it, it takes a little bit of time to get back in the you know, speed of the game. Sure. And, and I think he's been back long enough now. You know, it looked like it last week. He made some great plays, made some one-on-one tackles, you know, on Zeke, which was impressive. And, and I, I think he's back now. He's definitely back as a leader on the defense because they had him mic'd up last week, and you could hear him you know, the whole game just pumping everybody up. I, I'd say he's 95%, 96% if
4: he's not 100%. Gotcha. Well, to me, I think that is a, a matchup that uh, I think it's, it, it's going to be pretty close. I mean, you're going to have Michael Thomas, outstanding receiver. Ted Ginn Jr. takes some pressure off of him. And I think that – but, at the, again, you didn't have Tlaib. We didn't have Ted Ginn, Jr. It's going to be interesting. How to predict that, I'm not sure. But it's going to be interesting how they're going to – the Rams will def- defend that, how they'll match up, and, and how the Saints will try to exploit it. But, but I, I mean, they're, they're two different types of players. One's more of a speed player. One's more of a, a physical player. And how they decide to match up, it's going to be interesting.
2: Well, the last time they met, I mean – Thomas had 12 catches for 211 yards. And uh, the only one close to him was not even really close is Ben Watson was 62 yards. Every, you know, everybody else was under 50. So, you know, it seemed like that was the way they chose last time. So you're right. They didn't have Gann. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how that matchup plays out and if that gets Thomas less touches or more touches. But it's going to be interesting. I'm, I feel like the Saints have slowed down just a little bit on offense. I mean there's times when they drive and they look like, you know, the Saints that we've watched all year but then it seems like they kind of go in a lull. Uh,
4: the Saints fans have been feeling that as well. Uh and 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 I think that it the Saints have just simply been relying on their defense more. Injuries on the offensive line and and one more point about Thomas is the uh, the the productivity, the the catches, the uh the the balls thrown his way, it wasn't something new for the Rams. I mean it, it's almost to the point where I discuss it on my show. That I mean, they have to find somebody. And the, while Ted Ginn was out, there was just simply nobody else that Drew Brees trusted. So now that Ginn's back and he's had a couple of weeks back, there's some trust there. But you're still going to see the bulk of the work going to Michael Thomas until somebody stops it. I mean, the Saints traditionally Brees is known for spreading the ball out, but when he's had a you know somewhat of a superstar, Jimmy Graham. It was the same thing. It was the ball was going to him until somebody stopped it, and then he would go somewhere else.
2: Well, on the flip side of that, we had no C.J. Anderson. He wasn't even on the team last time we met. And now we're very similar to New Orleans with, uh, you know, having the two premier running backs in the background. I mean, I wouldn't have thought I would say that C.J. Anderson was a premier running back, but when he's been putting up over 100 yards a game consistently for three games in a row and really showing that he could play still, um, how do you think that matchup is going to affect, you know, the difference in this game compared to last time having two, you know, the two-headed monster?
4: Well, while I'm not trying to take anything from C.J. Anderson, I think it, it it says a lot about your offensive line that uh, that you can take a guy who, you know, I I would have said is uh, you know maybe an average back in the NFL. He obviously has skills and and belongs in the league. Um, obviously nowhere in the same category as a Gurley or a Kamara. But the guy, I mean, he has been impressive. And I've kept my, one eye on you guys the entire season because of the battle for the first seed and whatnot. And I tell you what, he looks, he, he's a beast. He looks, he looks every bit the part. Uh, so, yeah, having the two backs is always a benefit. Now, but then, again, flipping the question to you guys, back to um, health. Like, I don't know why Anderson would get a touch if Gurley's healthy.
2: Well, I think what he does is he wears them. I think they put Anderson in to help wear down the defense and they count on Gurley later in the game. But, you know, with Todd Gurley being injured the later part of the season, it was helping to get CJ Anderson into game shape. Now that he's in game shape and you got Gurley healthy again, knowing that CJ Anderson can do the job with our line. I think it just helps to have him go in and, you know, spell Gurley and, and keep Gurley fresh. And I think that's a big deal. And, you know, uh, we've got our eye on the final prize, which is the Super Bowl, just like you guys do. And if you can go to the Super Bowl with a healthy Todd Gurley, yeah. I think that's a big difference. So I think C.J. Anderson's going to get his share of touches, especially since he's been producing like he has been. Absolutely. I
3: something, something else to remember, too, about that as well, and, and that is the Rams have really been looking for a solid number two for a long time. A long, long time ago when they had Trey Mason back there. Our original thought process, this is back when Jeff Fisher's coaching the team, was that the idea would be they'd have a two headed monster, Trey Mason and and Todd Gurley, two different guys and then Trey Mason literally went crazy. Okay? And <laughs> we've been we've been waiting now to see someone else kinda of step up and every time Malcolm Brown looked like he would kind of step in and become that backup guy, he'd get hurt. So it didn't surprise me at all that when the Rams Got Anderson and he did what he did, they embraced it right away. We kind of view him as Thunder and Lightning. You know, he's the bowling ball, he's the guy who goes in there and most people down. And also, to kind of to, to back up on Gurley a little bit, I had the same comments on our post game podcast that, you know, to me, he didn't look exactly right. He didn't, he seemed to still be a little bit off. But yet, when they timed him during the game, he ran the fastest he's ran all year. So I don't know. But what I do know is that they did the best they can to keep him fresh.
4: Right. There were a couple of plays, uh, you know, again, speculating from RN watching the game, who we're going to be playing, uh, CJ Anderson going in there, being very productive. And then you start wondering, like, man, Anderson is getting a lot of touches, man. Gurley must still be hurt. Then later in the game, Gurley broke off uh, at least two runs that I can recall that were extremely impressive. So, the idea, you know, whether he's a hundred percent or not, he looked a hundred percent on those uh on those runs. So uh, you know, and maybe he is, maybe he's a little gimpy, maybe he can do that twelve to fifteen times a game, and the Rams are smart enough to know we don't want him doing that twenty five times a game if we expect to get past the NFC championship game and then be able to not only play in the Super Bowl but potentially win the Super Bowl.
3: I mean, I'm expecting the Rams to go in there and have a, have his knee looked at in the offseason. I I believe that Well, you you just don't ram to get inflammation out of nowhere. That's the same knee he had a surgery on. I'm willing to bet it needs to be cleaned up a little bit in there. But if they can keep his knee healthy enough to go these last couple games of the year,
2: hopefully a couple games, then that's what they're going to do. Right. I think they're a much better team with two running backs. I mean, just watching them uh, last week against Dallas, and and I've kind of felt that way all year, you know, Gurley – getting primarily most of the touches and if not, he's he's in there, you know, more or less as a decoy, but also a blocking back. And when you got somebody as explosive as him, he wears out pretty quick. So having a guy like CJ Anderson that can be, you know, a good blocker and can step in and, and run well enough to give Gurley some rest, I think it's a bonus all the way around. I think they're a much better team. And I've thought that's why New Orleans was one of the better teams, because they had the two running backs. You know, I think that was proven in the beginning of the season with Ingram out. And then, you know, once he got back, you guys looked unstoppable for quite a while. And then things have changed a little bit, you know, not quite as explosive, but yet still really good. So it's, it's just, I, I think that he's, this team is much better with two running backs. And I think that's why, you know, we have a shot. I like in the last podcast, I picked the Rams to lose to new Orleans at the beginning of the season during the regular season. But right now, I think they're a lot more similar now than they were when they played the first time.
4: Gotcha. Well, then let me ask you a question. I think this is basically just your perspective of a question you asked me is uh, defensively. What is it that you, um, that you see that your defense will be able to do differently to, to slow down new Orleans scoring? Or do you think it has something to do with the fact that new Orleans really isn't scoring like they were when you guys met the first time?
2: Well, I think, I don't think they're scoring as much. I think that'll help, uh, especially if our defense can play a little bit better. And I think the key to the whole thing last week was kind of a, I don't know, the proving grounds for that is when the Rams play really good gap integrity on their front four, if they can keep good gap integrity the whole game and slow down the rush, they're a much better team. When they're breaking 40, 50-yard runs on us and, you know, Putting 150, 200 yards a game on us on the ground, uh, we're, we struggle bad. So, you didn't see Aaron Donald doing as many stunts last week. He didn't get, I don't, did he get a sack against Dallas? I, I don't think he did. Uh, I would say no. Yeah. So, I think they figured out that it's better to have our line pressure the quarterback and maybe sack him rather than go all out for the sack and rely on our secondary. And I think that's been kind of the flip-flop here later on in the season. You're seeing them play much better gap-sound defense, and it's taken some of the pressure off our secondary. So I think that would be the difference I would see in this game is that they're going to focus a lot more on stopping the run and not as much on the pass rush. That would be my guess. I mean, don't get me wrong. New Orleans is going to get theirs in this game.
3: The Rams' defense is not a shutdown defense. It's a bend-but-don't-break defense, and they're going to bend once in a while. So New Orleans doesn't get their points. They're going to get some yardage in there, but um, it really comes down to overall: can they do enough to stop the Saints? Just enough. The Rams' offense is the same way. I mean, they're, they're not what they were middle of the year. They're, they've changed. They've, they've kind of had to evolve a little bit. And so I don't know that the Rams can get away with giving up 30 points and scheming like they could before. I don't know that, but I do know that they. We'll give up their yards. They'll give up some scores. Just a question of how much, what's their threshold? What is their threshold before they, you know, before they're done? Before we move on, I do want to go ahead and give our shout-out to our our last sponsor, and that is the original sponsor, Sal Martinez over at the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and you like the old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755. Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the light on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code Talk so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Shop is open Monday through Friday, 8am to 6pm and Saturday, 7am to 4pm, one more time. Give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is well worth it, folks, just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's a Rams Hall of Fame. It really is. But he also provides the old-school barbershop experience, talking Rams football more. Trust me, folks. You won't regret it. Sal even managed to make my blockhead and Norm's funky-looking head appear, well, somewhat normal. Okay, so just a couple more questions over here, David. Um... Looking back now, it's been almost 10 years since your Super Bowl team. How good is this Saints team compared to that team and why or why not?
4: They're two different teams, man. Um, that team was an explosive, um, down the field, big play offense. Uh, and then after they score a bunch of points on you, then they run the ball. And it was a, a thing they would talk about how uh, look at the Saints and how they run the ball and how, how well they ranked rushing, the, but all their rushing was in the second half once they got a lead. Their defense was opportunistic, similar to what you're telling me about the Rams defense. You kind of describing in the '09 9 Saints defense. It was opportunistic, bend but don't break. They really thrived on the turnover. Uh, this team, Saints defense, uh, in the adjusted statistical rankings where they basically weigh in the second half of the season significantly more than the first half of the season, is uh is the number five ranked defense in the league. Um, number two against the rush, and their offense is a productive, um, efficient offense. They went on a 22 play, 117 yard drive. Have you ever in your life heard anything like that? Uh, <laughs> against, against the, uh, yeah, they, they literally, because of the penalties they overcame, accumulated 117 yards on the drive, uh, and it lasted 11 and a half minutes. Um, and and that's uh, essentially how they've become in the second half of just methodical. Um, now the issue with that is the offensive line. So uh, if the offensive line can hold up and, and take care of Darnold and uh, Donald and 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 um, and keep him at bay where he doesn't just destroy the offense, I think the Saints they can continue to be methodical. They can make plays. So the difference between the two is just one was explosive, one's much more of a smash-mouth offensive team. I mean, the Saints offense running the ball, similar to the Rams too, where, where uh, again, I'm saying this and I have to put the caveat because we've just had so many injuries on the offensive line. Uh, the, the, the bye week and week 17 where a lot of guys sat, uh, hopefully it went away to uh, keep them healthy, uh, You know, heal them up a little bit, get them, get them as good as they can be. And, and we're going to find out on Sunday how, how well they can hold up.
3: David, how good – well, not how good. What are your X factors for this game overall?
4: X factors. Well, the X factor, factor almost all year has been Taysom Hill. Um, he's – depending on how they use him, uh, he's, he's, been, uh, he's been used as a receiver. He, he got open on a pass against the Eagles uh, that, if it wasn't underthrown, would have been a touchdown – uh, well, I say that is assuming he had caught the ball. I hate hyperbole and oh, he would have did this, would have did that. But they threw a deep ball to him. He had to stop for it. The guy's super fast. When he when he's playing in the uh, read option offense, effective picks up first downs for us. Uh, and he's just one of those guys. He threw he he's thrown passes and he actually threw a touchdown pass that was called back because of a holding call. It was a good holding call. So uh, no if woulda coulda shoulda's there. Uh, the point is is that he you know special teams he picked up a uh, a first down on a fake punt um it, it just he's he's everywhere he 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 plays he's played running back where they just pitch him the ball on toss outs occasionally uh, he's catching the ball um as a receiver gets in there at quarterback he's he, he's somebody you have to count for um sometimes he's he he doesn't have huge gaudy stats but he might have uh 3 rushes for you know uh, 17 yards but it'll be three first downs so those are the things that he he does, and he sparks the team. I mean, I tell you, he gets on the field, and and defensive players start coming to the sidelines so they can see what's going on. It's uh, he's an X factor, and uh, and I think he's a guy. Him and Ted Ginn are be the difference in the uh, in the game, difference makers, and and not necessarily statistically because I, uh, Ted Ginn might end up with you know three catches for forty yards, but he takes pressure off of Michael Thomas, who could end up having a big game if you have to pay attention to Ted Ginn.
3: Norm? Do you want
2: to
0: know
2: know what I think the X-Factors are? Yeah, we haven't (laughs) heard from
3: you in a while. You're getting all quiet in the corner. I thought you went to sleep.
2: (laughs) Well, I think the X-Factors for the Rams will be the Rams special teams. Um, Fourth down on both sides of the ball, I think, depending on what the score is, uh, we're liable to see both teams go on fourth down. A lot, and Johnny Hecker plays a big part in that uh pretty accurate thrower for a punter and uh you know they've they've done a pretty good job with that this year. Uh, I really think though the big x factor is going to be our safeties and how they play uh, you know we've been getting burnt. By having Marcus Peters look in the backfield, and the problem with that is is that leaves Joyner usually one-on-one with a guy like Michael Thomas, and if he's in front of him instead of behind him where he's supposed to be, that's going to be a big deal. So if our safeties can step up and play it right, I think that could be a big X factor for us.
3: All right, so there is one more thing I want to ask you both about, and then we'll get to our predictions. In the news, especially today, uh, Rams fans in particular are very upset with the um, with the decision for the NFL to assign Bill Vinovich's uh, crew to this game again. So he had the first Saints-Rams game. Um, there was some questionable fishing in that game. He doesn't have a great mark when it comes to, to covering Rams games over the years. And um wondering what your thoughts are. I'm going to start with you, Norm, because I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say,
2: but I kind of want to hear it anyways. You think you know what I'm gonna say? I'm pretty sure, but I'm hoping I'm I'm right. I I think it doesn't really matter. If that's what you thought I was gonna say, I I don't really think it matters who the officiating crew is.
3: That was pretty close, actually. Yeah.
2: Okay.
3: (laughs) I thought you were gonna say something more like, you know, come on, Rams fans, relax, or something, you know. But yeah, it's pretty close to it.
2: Eh, What do you you What do you think? uh, That is pretty close. Yeah,
3: Dave, what do you think?
4: Well, interestingly enough, if I'd have known you were asking that question, I would have, uh, I would uh, have uh, screenshot this tweet that I saw and, and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but that they showed that when this crew officiates uh, that the Rams have a, it was a poor record. I can't remember. And I, I don't know where they find these statistics. That is amazing, but it was basically saying that the Rams were, I, I'm making this up, you know, like, uh, 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 four and six when this crew and that the saints were like 11 and one. And, and so it, it was talked about and, and, and around saints Twitter as well. So uh, what it means, I have no idea. And I can't really imagine that, you know, maybe circumstances uh, get there, but I, I just can't imagine that somehow when you run the ball with Todd Gurley, you get more penalties and causes you to lose. I, you know, so I, I wouldn't say there's really much to it either, but, you know, I mean, uh, if I could, I, I wish I had those stats, but it was something close to that. So, interesting, if nothing else.
3: Well, what, you know, the stats are something like the Rams, are like 0-8 when they play, um, on watched by Vinovich's team, and they're out-penalized by, like, a penalty or something like that. For me, I think it's a little bit different. I think NFL officially overall has gone to crap, and this kind of questioning is just evidence of that. You know, that, the officiating in that Rams-Saints game wasn't very good. It wasn't. I mean, let's be honest about that. And I think the Rams took a couple took a couple bad calls. I think the Saints were messed over a couple times too. So the, it, it's an overall question of NFL officiating. And because the NFL officiating has been so bad, it's becoming easy to pick on teams like Vinovich's and other teams as well because they're obvious. When, when you can look back and go, yeah, I remember that, that fourth down, that fourth-down punt, fake punt that should have been a first down? Oh, yeah, that should have been a f- that. see, that guy's after us. It's just, to me, evidence of how bad a fishing is, is now to where we can go back and easily remember the bad calls these guys make because they're every day now. They affect your team on almost every game. That's kind of how I look at it.
4: Interesting.
2: You
4: All know right. You said, uh, before you get to the picks, I have one thing that just popped in my head. Uh, can you guys quickly – uh, give me some insight on Cooper cup and how you've replaced him because he actually was a big factor in the saints first game. And I think he was a pretty big factor in your offense and you don't have him this uh, I am not exactly sure when you lost him, but it was sometime after the saints game. Uh, how I, I can't remember kid's name, but I feel like you have a tight end uh, that, that, that uh, stepped up and, and has played pretty well in his absence and kind of maybe took over the Cooper cup role. Am I right about that? Or is just my perception?
2: Well, they moved Robert Woods into Cooper Cup's position in the slot, and Josh Reynolds has moved to the outside in Robert Woods' position. And Reynolds is a, you know, he's a tall kid with a big wings- wingspan, and he's been playing better and better each, <clears throat> excuse me, each week. Uh, so that's how they replaced him. I, I don't think he's as good as Cooper Cup, but. He's done a pretty good job. Higby's stepped up his game a little bit at tight that's, end.
4: Yeah, that's the guy I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, and and, the, and Gerald Everett, which we haven't seen much of lately, um, there's been moments where he's come in and played really well too. But Josh Reynolds has been the primary replacement for, for Cooper Cup. We've seen
3: a, that triangle of uh, the two tight ends and Reynolds take those snaps away, take those targets away. And overall, they've done well. We've seen some development with the tight end position. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise to lose the Cooper Cup. It's forced the Rams to finally develop their tight ends a little bit. But you know what, Dave? There's something to go back to. What do you mean interesting?
4: Um, what do
3: you mean interesting?
4: I, I, I don't know. I don't even remember. <laughs> I did say that. I don't remember what I said about it. That's one of those things where you rub your beard and you say, hmm, interesting. So <laughs> remind me what I said, interesting.
3: When I was at, when I mentioned the, uh, The state of NFL officiating.
4: Oh, well, yeah. no, Okay, so there's a part of me that said, "See, I also said interesting, too, when you were talking about the haircut. So, you know, you just missed that part. But the thing about it is, I'm an older guy, and I kind of remember, like, uh, uh, bad officiating is not a new thing. No, it's it's, not. It's an age-old. I would agree with you that maybe the speed of the game, the way the game's played, where pass interference has become such a huge, I mean, look, you flip the field with a 40-yard, pass interference call that you don't know for sure if the receiver would have caught it or not or some balls are. Th- it's it's huge and I think now that the the rules have become so liberal in in the passing game where before a defensive back just mugs a receiver and unless you just rip his head off and you didn't get a call now it's just so subjective that it just I'm not defending the referee so much saying that they're, they're putting a position where they that's a penalty now and it it's, it's so subjective, and they, they throw the flag, and it's just hardly any contact, and, oh, the guy didn't have his header. So I think it's just become more and more difficult and difficult to officiate, and the fact that the way the game's played now, it's just, it puts them in a, in a bad spot with these, these huge – I would love to see if they could fix the pass interference, maybe even go to the college 15-yarder or something. I think that would, uh, that would probably solve a lot of the problems because it's just such a huge call.
3: Yeah, yeah. I can, I can go with that. And I don't necessarily think the officiating is all the official's fault. I think when you, when you make so many rule changes that expect you to see things at the blink of an eye, and then you make that kind of call, it puts them in a bad position. But going back, I can't remember a, a year that's been worse than this year going back to 2001. 2001 was my previous bad year of officiating. So we've seen bad fishing, but over the many, many years, 2018 to me has been one of the worst. Now, I'm sorry, I meant, I forgot to mention this question. I I, I want to ask you guys have tight end retiring at the end there, Benjamin Watson, and he's been a uh, a guy who seems to have meant a lot to our organization over the last few years. I know he he uh, left for a year because the Patriots came back retiring. And um, what has he meant to your team? I know he's writing a book, and um, he's also been. In, in today's political world, a very, what's a, what's a rational voice in all the garbage.
4: Yeah. I think you put that very well. He, he's a great person. I mean, he's just, now again, I don't know the guy personally. Uh, you, you interview him, you, you, you hear him in other interviews. Uh, he's, he's an upstanding citizen, uh, as far as a football player, you know, he, he if he was a back, the, the fact of the matter is the Saints tight end situation is very thin, so he would probably be a great number two guy and uh, I think at this point I mean he's if I' he's either 37 or 38 years old. At some point if you just want to walk again when you're older, it's time to hang him up. but uh, but yeah, the NFL' is losing a, a, a great person and a leader and and but you know they brought him back this year after a few years with the, the club. Uh, and, and just his presence in the locker room is just uh, one of the things that I think the Saints tried to do, In the last several years, is get that character back in their locker room where they kind of that kind of went away for a while with maybe some questionable signings, some questionable draft picks, and he helps bring that element back to the locker room. So he'll be missed in that regard. As football, uh, Saints definitely need to upgrade the tight end position. So uh, again, the NFL is going to miss a guy like him. Uh, I don't think it's going to be anything that'll affect the game on Sunday.
3: All right, here we go, David. I'm first prediction. Yeah, guess go first.
4: Oh, guess go first. All right. So, I think that uh with a young quarterback golf continuing his maturation process, I think the noise in the Superdome, uh which uh, is measurably louder in the playoffs, uh is going to affect the the Rams who who really I feel like rely on communication and a young quarterback. Uh so I think that's going to have a huge factor on the in, in the game. Um And I'm going to say that uh, it won't be a shootout like last time, but I'm going to call it 34-31 New Orleans.
2: Norm? Well, I think, honestly, I think it's going to be the opposite of what you're saying about the noise. I think the first time they went in there. Well, I mean, they went in there the first time, and it definitely did affect them, so I think they're going to prepare a lot better for it this time, which I know they are. Um, I think the Rams were kind of at the end of their premier run when they met you guys, and then they went on a little bit of a a fall, and I think now they're coming back, their confidence is back, and their defense is playing better. Uh, I'm going to be very similar to you in score. I'm going to go 38-35 Rams. Huh. Well.
4: Uh, uh, what do you mean by huh?
3: That means I'm the tiebreaker here. Jeez. um And um,
4: putting money on this, let me just tell you now.
3: You know, there's no way I'd
4: bet on this game.
3: (laughs) You know, actually coming into this podcast, I, I actually had the Saints winning, and then talking to you, Dave, a little more, listening to some of the issues that that the Saints have, some concerns, looking at the Rams' health right now, looking at where they're kind of peaking. I'm gonna flip a little bit here and go Rams 27 24. I think it'll be. Um, a little more of de- a defensive game and a close one, so I'm going to go Rams 27, Saints 24.
4: So huh, there it is.
2: You changed my mind. <laughs> well, we we yeah. all had it what by three.
4: <laughs> I, I believe it'll be a close game. I, I believe that uh, that it might start off a little slow, but these teams are both too uh, effective offensively that when things start heating up in the third quarter, that you'll start seeing the score. Just, I mean, I, I see a back-and-forth kind of game going. I, I I think you might be a little low on the score, but, man, you just never know. Everybody expects it to be high-scoring, and that's always the games that end up, you know, 17-13, uh, you know?
2: Well, I, just I, look I at worry these- – go ahead. Come on, go on. on, bud. I worry be- just, just because the, the Saints pretty much went scoreless, you know, the first part of the game and let the Eagles get up 14 to nothing. I think if they do that against the Rams, they might be in trouble, uh, especially if their running game is just going. So uh, I think the first part of the game is going to kind of set the tone, and uh, I expect to see a lot of the run in the beginning of the game from both teams, and whoever can stop it first, I think, is going to have the advantage.
3: For me, I've just seen both these defenses get better as the year went on. While these offenses kind of evolved into, to me, I don't – I don't want to say the Saints' offense is worse. I think the Saints' offense is more efficient in what they do. And the Rams' is as well. So they're sacrificing, a little, to me, a little bit of scoring to be more effective with the football. So well, that's I, I, why I'm saying 27-24. I think these defenses are better and the offenses aren't as explosive as they were.
4: I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just – because I, I, sometimes, especially when they talk about this, playoff football, once you get into December, you know teams the entire league, even the uh, the Chiefs that were scoring less. And when you get to that point where the weather changes, you know you're making me rethink my score that it might end up being a lower scoring game. I just think that when you get into these crucial playoff loser go home situations, that they pull the plug, they pull the stops out, and they just lose their patience, and you just can't sit there and run the ball. You have two teams that can throw the ball and score points. And I think if you go through the later half of the season in December and you say, man, let's become a better running team, let's play better defense, man, late in that third quarter and you got to score, I think they, they pull the plug on the efficiency and start start moving the ball down the field and trying to score points. So that's why I see something that might start off a little slower and then evolve into a high-scoring game. My thoughts.
3: All right. So, Dave, thank you so much. You gave us an hour of your time almost. My gosh, I can't, it's getting late for everybody. Um, can you let folks know where they can find you?
4: Yeah, man, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, it's at, at, uh, at SaintsBS97.7, uh, uh, Sports Talk Radio. Um, and then also, uh, you can find us, uh, just look up BSN Beer um, on iTunes or, or, or any of those different things. So after the game, if you want to see what we have to say about the, uh, about the Rams-Saints game, you can look us up.
3: All right, folks. Again, David, thanks so much. You are—you've basically become a regular this year, and I guess you'll probably be the same next year. We're glad to have you on. Always brings good stuff.
4: I enjoy it, man.
2: Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Take care, fellas. All right, thank you, man.
3: Okay, folks. So that was David Romero from the Saints BS and Beer Podcast. Man, I love having him on the show. No kidding. Always brings good stuff to us. So good insight, Uh, folks. Hey, it's it's almost that time of the year. We are getting a new sponsor uh, rotation. So if you are wanting to advertise with us, reach out to us at Ramstop1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have immediate kit ready to get out to you. I could tell you our last three podcasts, the numbers have been sky high. Sky high. So we're more than willing to share this with you. Um, and that's really about it for that. Norm, we didn't get a chance to catch up for the Dallas game. So just a couple of questions for you before we go home. The Rams had not won a playoff game in 14 years. What did it mean to you to see the Rams beat Dallas of all teams, you know, for this divisional playoff game?
2: Well, as you know, we we had had a death in our family and, uh and i was traveling uh through the ice and snow during the game and i uh, was you know direct tv is what i you know I do the sunday ticket thing so if they want to sponsor us please do um <laughs> but uh direct tv sunday ticket doesn't work for the playoffs and i was having trouble trying to to stream the game and and i finally figured it out when the rams were down 7 to 3 um i came in i was like oh gosh you know I don't know if I want to watch this now or not. And uh, throughout the whole game, watching it on my phone in the car, and then getting to watch the later second half when I got home, it was uh, it was pretty special. Um, haven't haven't felt that kind of feeling, you know, since the the two thousand early two thousands, and to see him go out and play and and, and run the ball so efficiently against the, a really tough Dallas defense um that that was pretty impressive and there was a couple times i had chills during the game and and uh you know i, I the rams fans are due they're due to get you know some relief and and getting that win i think kind of gave us all that sense of what we've been hoping for for a long time so it was it was really special
3: you know over the last year and a half now uh, two years almost, really, every new milestone has been the kind of getting that monkey off your back a little bit. You know, Finally getting past seven wins, getting eight wins, getting nine wins, 10 wins, 11 wins, winning division. Come back next year, you win your division again. But you lost that playoff game last year. So now you need that playoff win. And to me, that's kind of the final taking the monkey off your back. There's 32 teams in the NFL, and it. it Even some of the great teams never win a Super Bowl. So I'm not going to hold the Rams to that same, the monkey's not off your back until you win a Super Bowl. No, no. The monkey was off your back when you finally got that playoff win. When you know that this team ranks among the best and they just showed it in the playoffs. So that's what it meant to me. The monkey's off the back. Now, if they go on and go to the Super Bowl, that's what I, I expect them to that that's the new age in Rams football now. We expect them to do these things. We expect them to compete for titles. But the old years to me are finally gone. That monkey, that that you know, the evil monkey from Family Guy, that's Poignci, he's gone now. And I, I really that's what the game meant to me. I can finally say goodbye to all those years and think I don't have to worry about the other shoe dropping now. Knock on wood.
2: <laughs> well as Knock. much as I as much as I hate the Patriots I almost think it would be a really cool story if the Rams and Patriots made it to the Super Bowl and the Rams got redemption. Uh, I think that would be storybook kind of stuff. And uh, as much as I don't want to see the Patriots even have a chance at winning a Super Bowl, that would be kind of cool to see the Rams uh, beat them in the Super Bowl. And So there's part of me that's hoping for that, but then there's also a part of me that'd love to see that shootout again between Kansas City and the Rams after that first game.
3: Well, I'll just focus on getting past the Saints first.
2: That's right. You
3: know, that's, <laughs> I would love to see those things, and hopefully next week and next, hopefully next week we're talking about it. But yep. even if we aren't, I'm thankful to finally see a playoff win.
2: So there you go. Yeah, no, I am with you too, brother. I mean, it's 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 about time, and it feels good, and I think we're gonna have some years now where that's gonna be a possibility every year. Let's hope so.
3: Okay, and one more thing. Because of that Rams game plan. I have specific thoughts. I have not shared them. It took me a little longer than just the post game to kind of process it. What did you like
2: about that Rams game plan? Well, obviously they did a lot of film study and and some of the coaches I think knew some of the tendencies and and it was talked about quite a bit on several shows where the Rams seemed to have the number on their defensive line and their offensive line, knowing what they were going to do before they did it. Um, and I think that's a testament to good coaching and, and excellent film work. But I mean, ideally when you can take two running backs and get over hundred yards a game from both of them, that's, that's going to hurt any team. And that part of the game plan, I mean, we've been talking about wanting to see McVay run the football, you know, more and more. And now all of a sudden we're getting a big dose of it. And it's obviously it's very effective. It's worked very well for us since we've started doing it here in the last three weeks. And uh, I think when you can run the football well, not turn the ball over, and play solid defense in the playoffs, you've got a chance to make it all the way. And I think the Rams' chances are better now after seeing their game plan against Dallas and seeing what they were able to do against that defense. Um, I think it really gives them a good shot moving forward.
3: Well, for me, that game plan, both offensively and defensively, is probably one of the best game plans I've seen the Rams put out there in a very long time. They knew where to go, where to hit on offense. On defense, they knew exactly where to be. They implemented every everything they implemented to stop Zeke. It was, to me, it was just Great coaching. Sometimes you pick on Sean McVay for some of the the rookie coach mistakes he makes. The young coach mistakes he makes. But then, you gotta praise the guy when he comes out there and puts a game plan like that. Because that's what it was. It was a great game plan. So, to him, that's the kind of thing that keeps you in this league. And that's the kind of thing that'll keep your team among one of the top teams in the league, regardless of somebody retiring or losing players here and, and getting players here. That kind of attention to detail is what wins you ball games and wins you championships. So there, there's just no doubt in my mind at some point this Rams team will win a Super Bowl. Maybe it's this year here with, with, with that kind of attention to detail put into game planning.
2: Well, and I think the one thing that the Rams have really shown this year is that they have moments, uh, especially on defense when they have one of those moments, one of those key moments in the game, it really changes the whole, you know, ending, you know, end product. And, and that fourth and one, when they stopped Zeke, uh, that was one of those moments. And if we continue to have a couple of those moments in every game, I think we'll be all right. Uh, it's when we don't have those moments that we, we struggle. So I'm looking forward to this game against the saints. Um, you know, I, I have three favorite teams that I like to follow. The Rams obviously are my primary team and they'll always be the team I, I focus on, but the Saints are one of those teams that I've always kind of liked. And uh, to see two teams that I like playing each other, it's it's fun. It's uh, It's bittersweet when your favorite team doesn't win, but you know that if your favorite team doesn't win, one of your top choices is going to go beyond. So, for me, it, it makes it funner to watch that way. Uh, but I fully expect the Rams to go in there and put their their best game forward and show everybody what they can do.
3: All right, folks. So we'll be with you um, through win or loss. We'll see, we'll see you this weekend. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me and Norm on Twitter. I'm at DC Apollo, Norm Hightower at Norm Hightower. Don't forget to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, just anywhere. And, of course, ibeatradio.com. They air our shows on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Special thanks to David Romero from Saints you know, B.S. Beer for coming on the show tonight. Really appreciate it. For Norm Hightower. This is Derek Schiapala. Take it easy. It's game time. Adios.
0: Can you get this type of drama? Where else
1: does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city home to your biggest rival? The battle
0: of the lake is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range.
1: Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Let's get it out of here. Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA. Only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.